next week, Monday, I have a special jacket being made for Monday. Number one. We, we, talk, we, we talked about this. Fucking sick. But anyway, and I'm, I'm going to curse. I'm going to do one resolution at a time, not to grab my genitals um, anymore. Walking in the show, but I can do a tug on my belt like Michael Jackson. Okay. All right. That's I think. I mean, first of all, we, if we ever get bigger, I think we. That's that's some. You know, there's not a lot of people that can handle that at home. We <laughs> might get banned. We might get banned. For, well, I don't um, think ESPN would pick me up, yeah, but if they did, they'd make a lot of money. You and Mad Dog. You and the Mad Dog. One. Coming to you live from their new studio in San Antonio, Texas. It's the Slobberknocker Sports Podcast. Now here are your hosts. Dylan and Turner. All right, welcome into the Slobberknocker Sports Podcast, episode number 13. We are back here a little bit later than normal due to the Christmas holidays, but we're here. We're going to be talking NFL. We're going to be talking college football. We are going to be giving away that jersey. We'll pick the winner uh, today or tomorrow, and I'll have a, a short video that posts the winner on there, and we'll go ahead and send that out soon. So thank you guys for joining us. We're going to jump right into some NFL and we'll start with a quick recap, but we'll dive into some more things, uh, ramifications with this game. And we'll talk about what we saw transpire on Christmas night with the San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens. You know, I think uh, a lot of people, and this is an overreaction league, we saw the Niners early in the year. Everybody thought they were the best team. They go out, have the three-game losing streak. Everybody thinks they're in big trouble, and now they've looked like the most dominating team since then. I think we both agreed that they were the best team going yep. in. Uh, you know, they look like a totally different football team on Christmas night. That's the plain, simple fact of it. And it starts with Brock Purdy. Now, I'll give my quick take, and you tell me what you think. But to me, this is less about the Ravens. Everybody wanted to talk about the Ravens, and, and this is the Ravens being better than the 49ers and how good Lamar is. To me, this is basically facts. Number one, Brock Purdy cost them the game. I mean, four interceptions. You're not going to win when your quarterback throws four interceptions. It's not going to happen ever. You're never going to win. He was 18 for 32 for 255 yards, no touchdowns, four picks. His QBR was eight. I mean, he was horrible in the game. You couldn't have been worse than he was. I think your dad could put up a QBR of at least 10. I think he, I would say, (laughs) I would say five and a half maybe, but I think 10 is a bit of a stretch, but he, he definitely could get close to eight. Considering zero is the <laughs> lowest you could go, could he could he put up a positive one in reality? I don't think so. That'd be pretty hard. That would be a good thing for us to test out. Um, I don't even think he could put up a QBR of five in like a pee wee game, like him running around with a bunch of little kids stiff arming him. <laughs> <laughs> he would definitely try it. <laughs> that should be one of our skits. Just fucking stiff arming little kids, bouncing off them. He pop his Achilles first quarter, <laughs> battle through it. Oh, that would be, I'd pay to see that a lot of, a lot of money. But uh, Purdy looked like Chris Leak in the game. It was bad. And here's, here's my issue with what happened. I think Kyle Shanahan went into a room with his OC and with his assistant coaches, and they put on the film of Baltimore's defense, and they said, these guys are not very good. They watched Matthew Stafford carve them up, is what they watched in one of the recent games. This is an offense similar to Shanahan's you know, system. Uh, and I think he thought we can throw the ball. The first drive, they did not attempt to run for Christian McCaffrey. I mean, Purdy should not be throwing the ball 32 times. He didn't even play in the fourth quarter for the majority of the time. They threw the ball way too much. They put the ball in Brock Purdy's hands. The one drive McCaffrey was was given handoff after handoff. They went right down the field, and they scored a touchdown. 
Uh, and even after the first two picks, the game wasn't out of hand. It was 16-12 at halftime. San Francisco got the ball to start the second half. I thought, you know, in all honesty, I put a, I put a second half bet down on them. I thought, you know, this is the better team. They just, you know, Shanahan will get back to running the ball. Nope. Went right back to throwing it. Purdy, he threw three more passes that could have been intercepted. I mean, it could have been five or six picks in reality. Um, but I guess my question to you is, uh, you know, are the Niners in trouble? Like, are you worried about the Niners after this? I know we both kind of picked them as our Super Bowl favorite last week. Or do you think that the, the, the Ravens are just this good? I wouldn't say I'm worried about the Niners just because we saw that three-game stretch in the middle of the year where they just looked horrible. And then they came back and looked like the most dominated, dominant team in football in the world the last few weeks. I think that, uh, yeah, I think the Ravens are better than most people thought. I think they came in with a good game plan. They got a lot of tips on Brock Purdy's balls, getting their hands up. I know at least two, at least two of the picks were yep. a result of you know not getting to the quarterback, getting a hand up, getting um, you know a fingertip to it. I saw one awesome play where um, Hamilton or Kyle Hamilton got absolutely pancaked by Trent Williams. It was awesome. He tried to come in with a blitz. He gets pancaked. Trent Williams slams him. I believe they called a hold on it because it was like a takedown. Then he gets up, the ball's tipped, and he picks it off yeah. like 10 yards down the field. And it's like, never give up on plays. You know, one of those like really cool highlights. But uh, yeah, they were just, I think they were felt disrespected, like they said, being underdogs, which is, you know, just a classic BS bulletin board material, right. but whatever to get yourself up for a game. Lamar played pretty well. Um, did he did he throw any interceptions or no? Yeah, no, he didn't throw any interceptions, but he did take a safety. Well, yeah, I mean that's just Lamar. That's yeah. just the kind of stuff he does. He ran ref, 15 ref yards tripped backwards. him. Yeah, the ref tripped him after he ran thirty yards backwards in the end zone. That poor yes. official, because I mean, who thinks the guy's going to run backwards twenty seven yeah. yards? I mean, come on. Yeah. So yeah, when I first saw that, it was funny because you know just talking about overreactions. I was like, oh god, this is going to be it's going to be a bloodbath. The <laughs> Niners like are going to fucking kill these guys, and they jumped on him. Was it? They got the safety and then a field goal. Was it five nothing or was it? And that included a Brock Purdy interception inside the twenty. Yeah. So you you, oh here we go. Niners are going to kill them. Give all the credit in the world to the Ravens. Played a really good game. Defense looked good. I I still think that you know I always use the term you know seven game series like this. These teams did play a seven game series for seven weeks. I think the Niners would get them. I think the Ravens came in with a really good game plan. Give them credit. Uh, Purdy didn't play a good game. Uh, Lamar took care of the ball better than he did. And that's, I mean, that, that probably when it comes to those matchups with these two teams, um, it looks like they're closer than everybody thought. And probably whoever protects the ball better wins the game. Yeah. But I'm with you. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't just give the ball to Christian McCaffrey a million times. And, you know, I, it's, it's weird. Sometimes you come in with a game plan and to be fair to the Niners and Shanahan, you know, he probably, like you said, saw the tape. The Rams game is like, he can throw all over these guys. I know they're going to load up the box and play right. a lot of man coverage. We're going to try to take advantage of that. And um, they could do it. A I, lot of, uh, yeah, good good game by the Ravens. So I think what a lot of people saw that they kind of thought like, oh my gosh, Lamar is so good in this game was, you know, in the second half, they kind of carved up the Niners defense. But if you really look at it, the first half, they didn't have a ton of success. They started with a lot of short fields. There were two turnovers, right? Um, you know, they got good field position off of a punt return one time. 
they scored one offensive touchdown in the first half and three field goals. So it's not like they were offensive juggernauts. And then, to me, what it felt like is the game got broken open after Purdy kept turning it over, and the defense is, like, you know, sitting there like, Jesus Christ, like, we're fucking every second we walk off the field two plays later, the fucker's throwing a pick. And it's like they're starting, I think they started on the 10-yard line, inside the 10-yard line on his fourth pick, and maybe inside the 40 on his third pick, and they scored on both those drives. But, I mean, how many times did the Ravens go, you know, 75 yards down the field and score a touchdown? I think it was once all game. So it's not like the Ravens' offense was moving the ball that well. And I just don't I don't know what the Ravens' offense is. And we'll transition into the fact that everybody freaked out and said, Lamar Jackson is now the MVP. Dude, if Lamar Jackson wins the MVP, you might as well just throw the award away and just not have it anymore. Because then nothing matters. The games he played don't matter. How about the three games Lamar just shit himself against the Steelers in the last, you know, five minutes of the game where he fumbled the ball twice? How about uh, Lamar having only 19 passing touchdowns the entire fucking season? I mean, these would be the worst numbers an MVP would ever have in the history of the NFL, probably since the 60s. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's atrocious to think about giving this guy the fucking award because he played good in one fucking game. Well, yeah, he's had an, like, we can both agree he's had a solid season. It's solid. fine, but it's not an MVP caliber season. Not even a top 10 season. Well that's, well, that's the problem with the award, and we've already touched on it, is they just give it to the best quarterback on a team that's – it's like the best quarterback on a team that's going to get the bye. It's, it's crazy. But, you know, I touched on it a little bit, and I told you, I was like, look, if you look at the numbers, Josh Allen's thrown twice the interceptions, but he's he's has, I think, uh, 16 more total touchdowns than Lamar Jackson. And my whole thing with it is this. If it's actually the most valuable player, if you took Josh Allen off the Buffalo Bills, there may be a four-win team. If you plug in Huntley in that offense, that system offense for the Ravens, I, honest to God, and I might be out of line for saying this, think they're still a playoff team. 100%. With that defense. I still think they... I saw them last playoffs. year. Yeah, with a, they were worse defensively last year, and they were worse like with surrounding. They didn't have Zay Flowers. They didn't have healthy wide receivers, and they still went to the playoffs yeah. and damn near won a playoff game with Huntley. People yeah. overreact to this shit. It's so frustrating. I was. What's crazy to me though is that I'm sitting there watching the game, and I was texting. I think I texted you. And I texted one of my other buddies, Sam. I was like, "Dude, they're literally saying on here that that Lamar's going to win the MVP. Like, how ridiculous is this?" Like, we're going to have a, a field day on the podcast, you know, when we get on a Wednesday. And then I look at the fucking Vegas odds, and he's a minus 170 favorite. I'm like, what in the fucking – It's just over – this season's just been the cl- – I actually don't recall a season where – I mean, obviously they have to generate talking points for ESPN because, you know, these shows are five days a week, and right. it's the same bullshit over and over. So like, you know, when we talk about it once a week, it's like, okay, well – we're going to talk about the MVP right. race game, whatever. But it's like they have to do this on a daily basis. Exactly. And so, like, they just, to me, they're just making these headlines. Like, oh, Lamar. Now, since Lamar won this head-to-head matchup with Purdy, he has to be the MVP. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, it's just, if Lamar goes out and throws four interceptions this week, and then you see Josh Allen throw four touchdowns, it'll be, well, at this point, how can we not give it to Josh yeah. Allen? You know, yeah. and it's just even though it's one week of football, it's it's crazy how we've come to this. But I think it's just a direct, you know, indirect correlation with the fact that 
you have these talk shows five days a week, and they have to find something to talk about. Yeah. It's the Cowboys, as always. Always. You know, the, now Lamar's MVP because Brock Purdy threw four picks. But, uh, yeah, I saw someone tweet, too. It was like, okay, we, we have to get rid of it. We have to stop calling it the MVP if we're going to give it to a quarterback because this year the two can, the two leading candidates should absolutely be McCaffrey and Tyree Kill. Right. It's not even debatable. And 100%. now with Tyreek missing, you know, a time, you would think uh, I didn't. What was McCaffrey's stat line this game? Uh, that he, I assume it wasn't fantastic. I, he, he scored, scored a touchdown. one touchdown. He scored one touchdown. He still probably had a hundred total yards, right, or close yeah, to it. Close I mean, to it. I think he had like eighty scrimmage yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I, I mean, like he didn't touch the ball much. Yeah, he had that one great drive, and then not a lot after that. So I know. Yeah, I know he had like fifty yards in that drive, um, but. Yeah, it's just funny because it just seems to me like it's he ended, oh he did he ran for 103 yards, 14 yeah. carries for. I mean, it's like oh he didn't do anything. Well, he got it four times. We got 103 yards, it, like and a touchdown. Like I yeah. just don't. To me, especially when you see Lamar's stats, like I, I get it because this is what the award has become, right? It's become quarterback on a team that's going to get the bot. Mahomes is out of it now. He's been losing games. Whatever. The Bills are maybe barely going to squeak into the playoffs if they get in there. But it's it's getting to the point where it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's got 1,400 yards rushing. He's rushing, running almost 5.5 yards per carry, which is up there in tops in the NFL for guys who are leading rushers. He's rushed. He's at 14 rushing touchdowns. What is his receiving yards per game? Like, what is he getting receiving? Uh, roughly 45. Yeah, 40. I mean, so he's almost, yeah, you get 45 receiving yards a game. Roughly plus. 90, 90 rushing, so he's getting close to 130 scrimmage yards a game and averaging basically a touchdown and a half a game. I mean, yeah. he's, he scored 21 touchdowns in 14. I mean, to me, this year, that's more impressive than Lamar's. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, if Lamar was putting up the numbers that he did in his MVP season and they had this record, right. then of course he should win MVP. Right. But the numbers are just not there. They're not. And he hasn't just – it's just like, okay, well, the team is winning games. Let's give it to this guy. Like, come on, man. Yep. And I, I just hate how they just build that narrative and they're going to give it to a guy who doesn't deserve it. It's, it's frustrating. But that's why the, the NFL has become just kind of a joke in terms of these awards. Like, it just doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. Um, but it is going to be interesting how that plays out with the 49ers now. They looked like they had the number one seed locked up. I still think – I would be surprised to see them lose one of their last two games. Also, you know, the Eagles, with how they've looked lately, could easily drop a game. And they hold the tiebreaker. They right? hold the tiebreaker on the Eagles, so they just have to. Are win they their still last a game team. up or no? They're, are they they're tied? same in the loss column. Each okay. team is eleven and four now. That game made them even because the Eagles escaped the Giants late. But um, staying in uh, the NFC for a second um, with the 49ers, we'll talk a little bit about the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, we saw this happen on Christmas Day. Or sorry, Christmas Eve, where the Cowboys took on the Dolphins. I know everybody wants to build the narrative that Dallas and Miami hadn't beaten a team where I think Dallas had one win over a team with a winning record. But the reality is actually Dallas beat Seattle when they had a winning record, and now they didn't have they didn't have a winning record going into last game. Now they do. So those numbers change, you know, throughout the course of a yeah, season. Yeah, constantly. Um, so you know, Dallas technically does have two wins against teams with a winning record. The Dolphins, on the other hand, I will say. We both thought this. It's not like, oh, it's some you know gimmick narrative. The Dolphins just don't play well against physical teams, against good teams. Dallas is a pretty good, pretty physical team. Miami, you know, didn't look all that impressive to me. I mean, I know they won the game. They were at home. Dallas is coming off a really bad loss. You know, 
what are the Cowboys on the road? Notoriously bad on the road. Right, yeah, I mean, exactly. So it's like, what is it really that impressive of a win for Miami here? No. Yeah. I mean, I didn't watch a ton of the game, but even looking at the – like, both defenses played, I would say, fairly well against good offenses. Um, but, no, I – Thought that this game, I think we talked about it last week, was going to be like a field goal either way. I thought the Cowboys could win it, just being the more physical team. Their road struggles continue. I mean, they just can't figure it out. Um, But I don't – this hasn't changed my opinion on Miami at all. Winning on a last-second field goal against a bad Cowboy – a bad road Cowboys team. You know, they would have came into Dallas and did that, of course, because no one really beats the Cowboys in Dallas, but – Everybody beats the Cowboys when they're on the yeah, road. So I don't think um, anything really changed really with either of those teams. It just, you know, basically cements that Dallas is not going to win the division and they're going to be no. a wild card team. They're going to be a wild card team. And unfortunately, with how bad they've been on the road, I don't know what they do in the playoffs. Like, in all, in all seriousness, I'm a Dallas fan. I want them to do well, obviously. But the, the fact of the matter is, they go into a, a Tampa Bay team's house uh, against Baker Mayfield and Mike Evans, who are playing some really pretty good football right now. I'm not so sure the Cowboys win the game in the first round, which is probably who they're going to be matched up against. I mean, it could still play out a multitude of ways, but it looks like that's the most likely outcome is Dallas going to Tampa Bay, five versus four. Uh, despite Dallas is going to have two or three more wins than Tampa Bay, they're going to travel on the road to Tampa. Um, I know, and I know in my heart of hearts that the Cowboys are not winning three road games. There's a zero percent chance they're going to the Super Bowl. Zero. Which three weeks ago I thought maybe when they beat Philadelphia, I thought you know it, I don't think it's a great shot, but I think that you could make an argument for them over any other team besides San Francisco in the NFC. You know, there's a chance they win the get the number two seed at that at that time for sure. Right. I thought the same thing. But here's my one issue, and I, I know you said you didn't watch a ton of the game, but Dan Quinn, man the last couple weeks has been horrible. And I, this this is what bothers me so much. We both know this. Tua is a fucking joke under pressure. I mean, he crumbles. You get any type of pressure on the guy, he, I mean, I'm not even talking like a quarterback hurry, just like relatively close to the guy where he feels like the pocket's collapsing. He will throw the ball early. He'll throw the ball inaccurate. He did it many times in the game against Dallas. Dan Quinn refused to blitz despite the fact that four men pressures were not getting home all game long and on the final drive it's like okay essentially I think they got the ball back with three minutes Dallas was up by two or up by one so Miami needs a field goal to win the game at that point that's to me especially once they get to like the 50 yard line I'm going to be uber aggressive because it's like okay if I do get home and get a sack we might end the game right here if I don't and they score at least we get the ball back and, the, and what he did was bring four every time, let them get a first down on third and short every single time, and run the clock down and kick a fucking 29-yard field goal and win the game. That was ridiculous to me. He won't change what he does. It's so frustrating as a Cowboys fan to watch this, where it's like, okay, and yes, they're right. Micah Parsons gets held on every fucking play. He does. It's he does. funny. It's crazy. And I've been saying And this. the fact that they haven't thrown one is, like I was reading that stat, like it's been weeks since they've thrown it's a flag. Ridiculous. Did they throw one in the Dolphins no. game or now? Nope. Yeah, I... That I don't understand because every time I'm watching, I think he literally wrote something on Twitter was like, hey, look, I don't know what I did, but free my, free me, please. I need to be freed because this is this is ridiculous. And it's like a picture of like what like him being double teamed and one guy like inside his shoulder pad holding him and another guy holding his jersey. So it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, 
and I think Jerry Jones even commented on it. Like, I don't know if it was last week or like today that it was like, you got to figure it out because it's unfair to him. He's like such a good player and sure. He draws double teams, this and that and the other, but listen, if, if that guy's not getting held, and it's not he's just, getting sacked. It's not just him. The Cowboys have Demarcus Lawrence. who's really, really good too. They had, I know Hankins didn't play in the Miami game, but they've got a very good D line. They, I believe, sacked two at one time, and there were zero holding calls in the Dolphins. The Dolphins had four starting offensive linemen out. How yeah. in the fucking world is there not a hold on them? But there was a couple really big holds made on the Cowboys, and I know you can call me a conspiracy theorist or whatever. The NFL, to me, has a prerogative in these games. Yeah, how get, is yeah. Dallas, how is Dallas, and I know the argument is, well, why wouldn't the NFL want Dallas to win? I don't fucking know. I can't explain that one. <laughs> I have no fucking answer for you on that. But I can tell you this. Dallas got held probably 15 to 20 times in that game. Ten of them were egregious. One of them was on the final drive that allowed them to run the clock out and kick the game-winning field goal. Had it been called, Dallas gets the ball back with a minute 30 to go needing a field goal. Huge missed call. It was on Deron Bland. He got absolute, or I think it was on Deron Bland. It was him or, or Lewis, number 33. Got taken down like a fucking wrestler. I mean, just fucking take down City. Just tackled and nothing. They were looking right at it. So he didn't bring, Dean Quinn didn't bring a lot of blitzes. He just tried Zero. to bring Zero. Zero. That's weird. Zero. Yeah, I would, I would definitely bring blitzes and just honestly try to hit Tua early on. If you're because if you home, hit him, if you hit him early on, even yes, and I'm not saying take like an egregious penalty. I'm not a cheap shot guy, but you know, even if you're a step late and it's one 15 yard penalty, and it's you know nothing that's just too egregious, but just let them know you're coming. That right. just changes the whole game. It really does. He just he, he does not like getting hit, and, and I don't I don't blame him. He's, no. uh, you know, he's probably seen the replays of T Rex arms, like I called it last time. Wasn't good, but uh, yeah, I think um, the Cowboys. Like I said, this game to me changes nothing. It's I mean, I expected it to be settled by a field goal one way or the other. Now, if one of these teams would have blown each other out, then yeah. you're like, okay, but no. The game was basically played to a draw. Give credit to Miami, I guess, for going down there and getting the field goal and winning the game. You know, I'm not a big Cowboys fan, so it doesn't matter to me. But yeah. I just um, – it was one of those games who ever had the ball last. But I do agree with you. Defensive coordinators drive me crazy late in games where they're just playing like – giving you five to seven yards and they're like, we're going to make you do this all the way down the field. Well, they're professional football players. They can do it all the way down the field. Right. And it's like, you got to come up with a sack or, you know, at least dial one up one in every three plays to try to, you know, end the game. Because if you get somebody in a long down to distance, you can, you know, win the game instead of right. relying on an NFL kicker missing a field goal. Right. And Sanders had made everything in that game. He right? made three 50 yarders in the first yeah, half. Yeah, which he, he which he's notoriously bad from 50 it's, yards. Of course. Which is weird because I remember I would I would thought of him as a very good kicker and I always see those stats that he's like 40% from 50 and beyond and I'm like that's kind of weird. He's a good kicker. He's money from anything inside of 50 yeah. and he sucks from anything beyond, but this yep. game he nailed every 50 yard kick. Um real quick looking at next week because the implications for the Dolphins, I think, matter more than the Cowboys. Cowboys are going to be locked into the five seed more than likely now. I think there's a, there's a path, but it's unlikely. Um, the Dolphins, on the other hand, we've talked about this last week. It's really interesting because the Dolphins travel to Baltimore, right? It's a, actually a really bad spot, in my opinion, for the Ravens. This is like the high of highs beating San Francisco in San Francisco on Christmas night. Like It's going to be very easily a letdown spot for them. But Dolphins off of a big win as well, so it's not like it's, it's a great spot for Miami either. Both teams off of big wins. Now, the game's in Baltimore. Baltimore's playing to kind of lock up that number one seed because if Miami wins this game, Miami actually would jump into the number one spot because they'd be tied on the loss record and Miami would have the tiebreaker over Baltimore. Oh, wow. So this is a massive game, right, for both teams. 
However, what's interesting is now Miami wins. They're the one seed, at least going into the final week. If Miami loses, now not only are they not the one seed, they're playing but for, they're the, playing division. for the division, <laughs> assuming that the Bills beat the Patriots, which I think if we were talking about this last week, we'd say it was a lock. It is in Buffalo. It is a revenge spot, but man, the Bills looked bad again last week. They did not look good in, in uh, Los Angeles against uh, Easton Stick and company. My was, guy, Easton Stick. Easton Stick was... Man, they, uh, the Dicker the kicker was fucking money. Yeah, man. he was. He made everything. He was five I was watching goals. that game with my brother. I was like, man, Dicker's good. He hadn't missed. I think they said he's made like 20 in a row or something yeah. now. Or, and those are like even considered not just under 50 yards. Like every kick he's made he's over 50 in a row. But the problem was he was a horrible fantasy kicker. But Staley just went for everything. And that's why I fucking dropped him. And then I picked up you yeah. know, somebody else. And he goes for fucking 28 last week. Yeah. Uh, but, you know... In your opinion, I guess we'll just do kind of a little breakdown. Who has the edge? The Dolphins are a three-and-a-half-point dog in Baltimore. This is the biggest game of the weekend, I think, on any side of conference. Yeah. Regardless I of just conference. think it's a bad – like, not necessarily – I don't think it's a bad spot for either team, like you said. Essentially, both of them are coming off big wins. Obviously, the Ravens is a little bit bigger of a win. Right. But, um, no, I think the Ravens will end up winning the game at home. Um, I think they'll – Make too uncomfortable early on. He'll probably throw a couple interceptions, and I'll say the Ravens by ten. I think it'll be a fairly comfortable win for him. I I agree. I don't I don't see this game being that close. I mean, we we've talked about this all year. The Dolphins just play bad against you know. Fit. This is this is the definition of a physical fucking team. I mean, this is a fucking smash mouth football team. And then that'll probably set up the showdown with Dolphins and Buffalo last week of the season. And that's what we all want to see. I think. I mean, yeah. that's what I want to see. I want to see Tua versus Josh Allen. In Miami, no excuse. If Tua loses loses the last two games and ends up being a wild card, like there's no one else to blame but him. I mean, this team is going to ride on him, and that's why I think they have no shot to win the Super Bowl. But you know, if if they win, if they do somehow pull off that win against Baltimore and they get the one seed, they win out and win win you know against Buffalo. That last uh, now season. I did see that Buffalo now with that win. I think is in the second wild card spot because well, so many of those other right. teams lost. Like all the AFC South teams lost. It played so out Buffalo's really well. So Buffalo's a full game. So now Buffalo wins this week, and even if they do lose to Miami, they probably have a pretty good shot yeah. of getting in. I would say I wouldn't say it's it's a lock by any means, like, but it's a better yeah, shot. So much better than what it would have been because with right. all three of those teams losing, I mean, you're only for sure gonna have two AFC South teams get in. Right, you know? they had the yeah. Broncos lost last week, the Bengals lost, the Texans lost, the Colts lost, and the Jaguars lost. So all those teams lost. So it was, it was a perfect storm for them because I think, uh, what I believe the Bengals played the Steelers. So one of those teams had to win. Yeah. And everybody else fucking lost with the exception of the Raiders who kind of are already Who are the Broncos game. playing this week? Um, and I know you said they're benching Wilson, which is wild. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty much out. I think they have a 4% chance to make it because they're 7-8 uh, now. That that was their season. Had they won against New England, they would have had, a, I believe, like a 40% chance, 38% chance to get Probably it. Probably at least because they held that tiebreaker against Buffalo, Exactly, right? and yeah. they had Buffalo playing that last week. You know, so anyway, but but when you look at it, it, it is kind of interesting because I think we I mentioned this last week. I still think you're right. I think the Bills, I think the Bills now probably get in. But if they lose that last game, even if they win this week against my against New England and they lose that last game to the Dolphins, they're they're probably not going to catch the Browns, assuming they have one more loss. The Browns are in ten and five right now. So let's say the Bills finish with seven losses, ten and seven, right? They I told you this already. 
They lose the tiebreaker against essentially everybody in the AFC in the wild card. Yeah, but don't the Texans and Colts play the last week, though? So they only do. one of those teams can win. Right. So one of those teams, assuming that they both win this week, Colts have Las Vegas and the Texans have Tennessee. So if those two teams win, that last game kind of probably becomes an elimination game. And then it's going to come down to basically can the Bengals or the Steelers win out? Because if either of those two teams win out, and you know that would be a, a, the, the seventh spot, and the Bills lose one game. See, this is my point. They lose one game. There are still a lot of scenarios where they could still miss the playoffs. Now, I would say they're positioned way better now. I would say they're probably 60 70% chance to make it yeah, at this point. Yeah, probably. But, but, I mean, that game in Miami, to me, even though, like, like I say, I, I've been a Bills advocate just because I think the AFC is so bad and I although Josh Allen makes plenty of mistakes he's also a game breaker in the sense that he could win you a game and he runs a ball over the place he's so amazing. it's like so to me I just figure they have a better chance to make noise that they do get in the playoffs but as far as beating Miami that last week of the season especially if it's for the division in Miami I wouldn't make the Bills necessarily a favorite in that game right. I'd say it's probably Miami 55%, Buffalo 45 like, you know, slight underdog in the yeah. game. But um, especially with, you know, we touched on it earlier when we were off air, with Stefan Diggs just being basically absent. Yeah. I mean, you know, showing up to the game in kilts and <laughs> much more interested in, you know, his fucking fashion than catching any football. What so I don't know. That? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't fucking <laughs> care. But I just, you know, wear whatever you want. Like, Wear your kilt and then go get 150 fucking yards on 10 catches and a touchdown, and everybody will be like, you know, wearing them in Buffalo. The yeah, they week. will. Jumping <laughs> through tape, kilts, jumping off pickup trucks and the tables. That'd be a sight to see. I mean, that was one of the most egregious things I've ever seen. That was pretty awful. Uh, to come out and, and lay an egg like that after showing up with a kilt on is pretty bad. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the AFC plays out. Quickly, we'll just, you know, real quick run through this. Uh, I'm real happy the Browns look like I think they're 99% to make the playoffs right now. They're 10 and five. It's going to be almost impossible. Joe Flacco and the boys, dude. We, I mean, and I know every time I I text you something like this, then you know it flips the other way. So I hope I don't jinx it. But who wants to play the Browns right now in the playoffs, dude? They look fucking good. They have the number one defense still in the league. They're going to play um, probably a team who they're going to be a favorite against in the first round because they're likely going to be the five seed and they're going to play the winner of that AFC South, which is going to be Jacksonville or Indianapolis or Houston. The Browns, to me, are a three points better even on the road against any of those teams. Uh, I don't know what the line will probably be closer to two or pick them, but to me, I would make the, the Browns a three-point favorite against anyone in the AFC South, regardless of where you're playing. Um, can they make some noise in the playoffs? I think they can. I think they have Like shot. I said, it's the AFC, man. I mean, I... I... I couldn't necessarily see them. Now, it could be a good game. I don't necessarily think they would go into Baltimore and win, but they could play them tough. Like you said, any of those AFC South teams right now, you'd probably think the Browns are going to beat them no matter where they play. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if they would be three-point favorites, but uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I know you're saying you would make – I mean, right. yeah, I mean, I definitely think they could, um, you know, win – win a game. I don't know if they can win two games, but I would say they could definitely win a game in the playoffs. So, defense looks good. Flacco looks tremendous off the couch. Crazy. <laughs> Throwing good deep balls, and uh, that's what he's always been able to do. And, like, you know, protects the ball pretty well. So, yeah. that's, uh, like like we said, you know, we get into the what-ifs, but 
you know, if they had Chubb, then you'd be like, oh, maybe they could win the AFC I know. with Joe Flacco playing quarterback. I still actually, oddly enough, this could be a hot take. I actually think they have a shot to win the AFC. I just don't believe in Baltimore. Plus, you play a divisional rival in the playoffs, anything can happen. And to me, that's the only team that they're like clear cut worse than. Like, I don't think they're they're. I think they're better than Miami. I think that they I don't, could beat Miami. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that's a hot take at all. Yeah. I mean, I kind of agree. That's why I say that about the Bills because I'm just like, well, the AFC kind of stinks, right. and they look they look bad. I know you don't like Sean McDermott. I don't either. But I mean, um, I do like. The one thing that Joe Brady has done, although the play calling's been weird because he's been running it so much, it's now you kind of have to honor that playing right. them. When before, you would just, you know, they would throw it 75% of the time. So I now agree. they are running it a little bit more. I don't know if it's, um, you know, makes them that much more productive, but it at least keeps defenses honest, especially in the playoffs. The team that I was going to say, and I think we both agree on this and have been saying it for the last couple of weeks, where I'm like, Man, I wouldn't want to play them. The Rams, I mean, okay, I'm glad I, you that I think up. the Rams could beat just about anybody in the NFL How right now. I wouldn't want to play right anybody. Now. Stafford looks good, looks healthy. Puka and Cooper Cup, I mean, defense is playing well enough. I mean, yeah, that team, and Kyron Williams, besides him dropping the ball all the time and fumbling, looks good. I mean, yeah, I think they could, like I said, I wouldn't want to play them. Dude, listen to some of these stats. So, I mean, Stafford's absolutely fucking slinging it around yeah. right now. I mean, he looks, he's aging with with absolute grace. The last four games, he's throwing for just under 300 a game, 10 touchdowns, no picks, 8 yards per pass. His QBR is the last four games, 82, 75, 89, 91. And that's with them running the ball quite a bit, too. So I mean, he's just hitting some big Kyron players, Williams. Yeah. Since yeah. Kyron Williams took over as a starter, he's averaging 130 yards per game on the ground. Four touchdowns, five yards per carry. They have the two. You, tell me, there's not. Tell me, there's a better wide receiver core in the league. There's not in the top two with Puka and Cooper Cup. They've combined for 720 yards and five touchdowns the last four weeks. There's nobody better offensively right now, in my opinion. Nobody's playing better than the Rams. And like you said, the defense has done enough. To say what you want. They still have Aaron Donald up front. They still have a pretty good scheme. They can do enough. I think whoever they play in the first round, they will upset. Because I don't think the Lions or the Eagles are playing very good football, and that's who they're going to match up with. How many How many games ahead of the Cowboys or the they Rams? They can't catch the Cowboys. There are three. Oh, because the Cowboys have the head-head. And yeah, there's yeah, two. Yeah. There are two games behind them. Seven losses to five Talk losses. about like a, a turnaround. You know, everybody was talking about McVay being in the booth next year, taking yep. the money, done coaching. Cowboys beat the shit out of them earlier in the year, and now you're just like – I think they might beat the Cowboys if they played again. They probably would beat the Cowboys, depending on where the game is. Yeah, it was a neutral foot. In Dallas, you'd still think the Cowboys yeah. would probably beat them. But, I mean, yeah, the, the Rams look real good. That that I know we talked touched on it last week, but real quick, just looking at the NFC, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. So, Rams sit 8-7 and seven in that 6 spot. Dallas has already clinched the 5, at least. So, that 5 spot will be Dallas or Philly. More than likely, it'll be Dallas, right? Rams are 8-7. and seven. Seahawks are 8-7, and seven, but the Rams beat the Seahawks head-to-head both times, so they hold the tiebreaker. Seattle, massive game this week. And tell me what you think on this one. because So, essentially, here's the, here's the standings, right? We have Rams 8-7. and seven. They hold the tiebreaker over pretty much everybody. Seahawks 8-7. and seven. They don't hold the tiebreaker over the Rams, but they do uh, have a game over the Vikings, who are 7-8 and eight and 8, the Packers, who are 7-8 and eight and 9, the Saints, who are 7-8 and eight and 10, and the Falcons, who are 7-8 and, and 11. And the Saints play the Bucs this week, and the Packers play the Vikings this week. So there's two huge matchups uh, uh, going on. On the other hand, the Rams get the Giants. So the Rams win this week. I 
think you can pretty much lock them into a playoff spot. Yeah. Um, but if Seattle loses, all hell breaks loose. Well, Seattle's playing Pittsburgh, right? At home. So I mean, that's pretty much a that's pretty elimination much a, game. Elimination game. Just yeah. cross conference. Well, you know what? I mean, if uh, he gets the win, right? Uh, if if Tomlin gets the win, when he can't finish with a losing record again, right? Yeah, that's greatest true. coach in sports history. <laughs> Uh, that's what some are saying. I, <laughs> I'm Trump. really, really. Those are what people say. Not me. Not me. I um, hope they. I'm gonna root for the Seahawks, and I fucking hate Pete Carroll. I really do. But, I love. I love Pete. That slimy motherfucker. I mean, chewing they, on his gum over there. <laughs> right now, they have uh, the the Seahawks has a seventy percent chance to make the playoffs. That's because they have a very easy matchup in the final week. But. Um, Who did they play last week? I believe they play the Cardinals. Arizona. Yeah, it's Arizona. makes sense. It's, it's usually a divisional opponent. Yeah. Um, I think they're doing it. So, uh, do you think Seattle sneaks, you know, gets that? Yeah, I think spot? they're going to get in. Yeah. Uh, you think they'll beat Pittsburgh this week? I mean, <laughs> they should. But I mean, the Steelers are just. I mean, you know, the Steelers are probably going to come back down to earth. You would think. Yeah, I think the Seahawks get in. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. But real quick, let's let's jump into a few game previews of next week. We have a, a Saturday game that got flexed. I guess maybe it didn't. I thought I could have sworn I saw. Uh, a thing that said the Cowboys and Lions are playing on Monday night, but I guess you you mentioned to me that that's the night of the of New Year's Day, which is the college football playoff. Um, obviously, they don't want to have the a Cowboys game on the night of a of a Longhorns matchup versus the the Huskies in that college football playoff. But this game's on Saturday, nonetheless. Maybe it was Saturday all along, and I'm just tripping. I have no idea. I, I yeah, could have sworn it was on. I saw a preview that said Monday Night Football. Um, maybe because it's on ESPN, they just called it Monday Night Football. Anyway. Oh, that's probably what it is. That, that it's probably is. Monday Night Football on Saturday. Yeah, that's right. what they're doing. Yeah. Right. Um, but we look at this matchup. Um, Dallas comes in undefeated at home, 7-0. and They're playing this one in Arlington at AT&T Stadium against the 11-4 and Lions, who have been pretty good on the road this season. But I, we mentioned earlier how everybody says that the, the Cowboys can't beat good teams. But when you look at the Lions... The Lions actually only have two wins all season against teams with winning records. And one of those came week one by one point against Kansas City when they didn't have Travis Kelsey and they didn't have Chris Jones. Arguably, they're two best players on each side of the ball. So they, the only other win they have over a team with a winning record was against the Buccaneers in week five or week, yeah, week six. And they won that game 20 to six in Tampa Bay. Besides that, here are the teams they've beaten. The Falcons, the Packers, the Panthers, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Saints, the Broncos, and the Vikings. So they really haven't beaten anyone. The one time they stepped up real big in class, they played Baltimore in Baltimore. They lost 38-6. to And that's not even encapsulating what we've seen the last five weeks. And, and I, it leaves me asking, basically, okay, what are the Lions, right? Like early in the year, what I thought they were is they're an offensive juggernaut. They move the ball extremely well, maybe better than any other team. The defense does enough. They're uber-aggressive. Dan Campbell has this uh, aggressive mentality. They go for it on fourth down, right? And they put teams in uncomfortable positions. But that momentum has stymied significantly. And now we look at them. They have the Cowboys this final week. I know they won against the Vikings last week, but this is crazy, dude, when I was looking at this. And, yes, I did bet on the Vikings in this game, plus three and a half. But Nick Mullins threw four picks. The Vikings turned the ball over four times, and yet they still had a drive to win the game at the end. The Vikings outgained the Lions by two and a half yards per play. Significantly dominated the Lions in this game, and four turnovers is the reason they lost. Uh, what, to you, are the Lions? They've lost to the Bears. They've lost to the Packers at home. They should have lost to the Vikings last week. Now they play a Cowboys team in Dallas. Like, I, I don't understand what the Lions are at this point. 
they're a divisional winner. That's not a Super Bowl contender. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just kind of what they are. They're, you know, I, and listen, Lions fans are thrilled. <laughs> yeah. This is their first division win since, I don't know. 30 20, years, 1993. There you go. So, I mean, it's, it's been a long time. So they're very thankful for Dan Campbell. And um, I, I think if you talk to most of them, I don't think they would tell you they could win the Super Bowl this year. I think most of them are somewhat realistic. They're happy with the division. Not a very good division this year. Um you know, a lot of people's sexy pick at the beginning of the year was the Bears to win that division. Right. They've been horrible. Um, I think the Cowboys, you're going to see the Cowboys win this game from anywhere from, I'm going to say, 10 to 17 points. Yeah. It's going to be one of those, I think. I think, I think uh, they play so much better at home. I think they're going to get to golf. I think he throws an interception or two. Um, and, you know, the only worry I have is, you know, you look at the Cowboys – defense against Buffalo and how Buffalo ran it on them. And I think the Lions are going to try. That's what they are going to try to do. You're going to see a lot of screens to Gibbs, a lot of running with Montgomery, um, a lot of short, quick passes from Goff to kind of neutralize the pass rush. But I do think the Cowboys ultimately win this by 10 to 17. They've just been a juggernaut at home. Right. You know? And I mean, they, they didn't – it's not like the, the Lions – had an offensive outburst last week. They averaged just 5.1 yards per What play. is the Cowboys' like average win at home? It's got to be by 14 points or more. At least. I, yeah, mean, their I, mean, win. Like, I know they beat the Rams by like 20-something, right? Yeah, they, they beat the, the Giants by right. a ton, the Patriots by a ton. Uh, the Commanders by a ton. Commanders yeah, I mean, by a I ton. Think they, on Jets. average, win by at least 14-plus yeah, at home, at probably least. 17. The only like relative – even the Eagles. They beat the Eagles by 20 at home. That's Thirty-three I mean. to thirteen. Yeah, it I might mean, be. Yeah, this the only be. the only like relatively close game they had at home, I believe, was against Seattle that that Thursday night that we watched together. Remember, it was like a shootout, and Dallas had to come from behind. Oh like, yeah, that was the only Thursday game night game. Them being closer, but um, yeah. So I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't see the, the line is six for a reason, right? We're basically saying that Dallas is a three point favorite on a neutral field. Um, you know. It's funny because you look at, at the line last week where the line actually closed between the Vikings and the, and the Lions at three. So you're saying those two teams are pretty much the same on a neutral field. I mean, the Lions are maybe like a short favorite on a neutral field. I actually would agree with that. Like, I don't, you know, obviously the quarterback position is Nick Mullins is, is not very good, but, you know, I don't think Jared Goss been great lately whatsoever. And he's not turning the ball over as much the last few games but he's just not been the same guy that we've seen early on because he's a product of scheme. I mean, that's what it is. He's never been very good. He does turn the ball all over a lot historically. And I think you're right. I like Dallas to win this game relatively easily. I think they win by 14 at home. Um, and I think the Lions also think about the emotion they've had this week, right? Winning the division for the first time in 30 years. And now you have yeah. to go on the road and you basically are locked into either the, you're going to be either the two or the three seed. And, it's and kind of a meaningless game. It is a meaningless game. I mean, game. in theory, it kind of is for Dallas, too, I guess, at this it point. Is. I mean, I know that. But I just think that Dallas is going to be looking to get back on the right track, especially after two losses. You don't, want to, you don't want to go three straight losses exactly. into the playoffs, even though no. they have that game against the Commanders the final week. All right, we'll move on. Um, we got a special guest coming in. As always, we have to do the segment where um, the villain of the show himself comes in. It's a Christmas miracle that he's here today he made some time for us he says he's only going to do four minutes on the show today we'll see if four that's... minutes and he's got quite the get up on as always welcome in big dog fucking gotta dog make that de niro i can't do the full grab <laughs> 
Oh yeah, I forgot. We gotta get your I'm New Year's resolutions. First off, I'm divulging my fucking revolu- my uh, what is it called? Resolutions. Resolutions. I'm, my brain's flying right now. I got 50 deals going on. Um, next week, Monday, I have a special jacket being made for Monday. Number one. We, we talked. We, we talked about this. Are fucking sick. But anyway, and I'm, I'm going to curse. I'm going to do one resolution at a time, not to grab my genitals um, anymore walking in the show, but I can do a tug on my belt like Michael Jackson. Okay. All right. That's I the think, first I mean, first of all, we if we ever get bigger, I think we, that's, that's some, you know, there's not a lot of people that can handle that at home. We <laughs> might get banned. We might get banned for. Well, I don't um, think ESPN would pick me up, yeah, but yeah. if they did, they'd make a lot of money. You and Mad Dog. You and the Mad Dog. The second one is to stop using the F word as, as much because I want to try to build sponsorship for the show and I can go get it because at Teos Records, we were the most endorsed company I had. I didn't pay for my phone, my booze at the time I drank. I don't been drinking in 22 years. My booze, my gas, my clothing. Any products that we use, we didn't pay for food. We didn't pay for anything. That's how endorsed we were. And that wasn't just me. Did it was you my staff as well. Free Miller Lite? Free everything. Gallo Damn. Wine, Miller Lite delivered to my door. Teos Records was, so I can, I'll bring in some sponsors. I got to clean my act up a little bit. All right, now. I think we can all agree on and, that. <laughs> and, next, and next Monday, I'm going to think of my resolutions besides the F word. And that's a tough one for me. But and, and, and I will say this, back to this quick rant. I will let Erin Andrews, and I don't think she's good looking, but I would let her announce, I mean, uh, broadcast the game. Oh, she's okay. paid her dues. Okay. She, that girl has put her dues in. That's what about it. Maybe, Samantha Ponder? She's been doing it for a long time. No. She's Samantha Ponder, no. No, not at all. Not at all. No. She's pretty not bad, though. She's not that bad. She's, she's not that bad. Hannah Storm, any day. Michelle, what about Michelle Beadle? Yeah, Michelle's paid her dues. I'll, I'll take Michelle. Michelle can do it. I, I, I'm, I, she's, she gets a rain. Check. So we're backtracking on no, no, women no, no. The rest of these women, this even this morning, are just a <laughs> joke. Get them off the damn air. And ESPN, this is my, and I want to say this reverse discrimination. Think about it. They're testing. I want to make this is my quick rant. The ESPN tests and says that guys, they say we have equal opportunity. We're Disney. They bring the girls in. Then they test the guys who say, well, we want to see girls just because they look good. So think about it, girls. You're just on there because you have some knowledge. You get fed it in your ear and you're, and you're good looking. That is defeats the purpose. So ESPN is hypocritical. They're bringing them in because they bring ratings up because if they're blondes or whatever, the guys look at them, but they're not taking them that seriously. Goodness gracious, what a corporate nightmare. Now back, now give me one pick. Give me one pick because I'm on fire right now. No, that's your only rant? Yeah, that's no, my, only, no, other, my other rant's going to be on Monday. Are you going to bring your... I think and a special, a special custom-made jacket. Cadillac back. I, no, the Sears Cadillac. I'm, uh, catalog. catalog. You're the bring Sears back. Catalog, I'm bringing out. I have it at the house. Okay. The 1971. With I'm everything bu- circled you 72. wanted. So that's so the your mother ruined Christmas. Ruined the Christmas. Grinch. So next week, that's what we'll do. We'll, we'll get the Sears Catalog, and he'll go through and pick what he's going to buy for the studio Well, I already circled them. I already circled all the. Well, it's 1971. So I. I By the I way, what did you what did you buy yourself for Christmas? Because you let everybody know last. I bought week. myself. You buy expen- yourself a lot of shit. Expensive as hell ring, a couple of jackets being made, some pants, uh, some jewelry. I mean, those pants are definitely custom tailored. There's <laughs> yeah, no doubt about uh, those. Absolutely. Yeah, my girls. And you got by the, the way, same. And, and same I mean, tailor as Conor McGregor. This yeah. guy. And also, thank you. And also, this is it. The, the fact is that I, with this jacket, employed 17 kids in a third world country. So I don't want to hear shit 
about my sensitivity for Christmas. Okay. All right? Real, Seems fair to me. Real quick before we do go on to some picks, let, I just have to, on the podcast, I've got to talk about this, and that is how embarrassing my dad's quarterbacks were this week, Turner. Let's oh, go through give them. it a rest. Let's go through them real quick. Jalen Hurts, he sucked. He shit himself before halftime nope. and was tackled in bounds, cost him a That's, field goal. That was kind of stupid. That was really stupid. Then he threw what I've heard multiple people call the worst pick six Hurry in up, the history of football. About two let's minutes. go. There's a lot of quarterbacks on the list. Yeah, so there we go. Hunt. All right. Tommy DeVito sucks so bad he got pulled. Tommy DeVito sucks so bad he got pulled. Tyrod Taylor is now the starter. Sam Howell, 6 of 21, two picks, pulled for Jacoby Brissett. They come all the way back and almost win the game. Yeah. Sam Howell's no longer the starter in Washington. Wait till I respond Russell to this Wilson one. loses at home to mm-hmm. Bailey Zappi. Season yeah. over. Russell Wilson benched today. No, he's only benched. I got the scoop on why he's benched. Don't go there. You Russell don't know, you don't know the scoop. Quiet. They're trading him. No, they're, okay? they're, they don't want him to get hurt because they have a physical they have to pass in March. They don't want him using an excuse. He wanted out as well. Him and his wife want out because of the escapade on the sidelines. And they don't want him. They have a $32 million uh, payout they have to give him if he flunks any kind of physical in March. They don't want him hurt. Yeah, that's what happened. Go ahead. Um, Brock and I already told, who did I pick? Who did I say they're going to go get when you and Turner were watching the last two games that he admits Raiders quarterback last year? That guy's pretty good. They kept showing his girlfriend, the blonde girl in the booth. I kept saying, that guy's pretty good. And Sean Payton goes out and gives that guy a big-ass contract. I can pick oh, quarterbacks. Jared going, yeah, your boys when too? I was watching him. <laughs> oh, I like him. I said, keep going. Why do they keep showing his girlfriend the last two games? He did really well the last game or two in the Raiders last year. Okay, let me keep going. Brock Purdy, four picks. Pulled for Sam Darnold. MVP candidate. Trevor Lawrence, three turnovers, two interceptions, lost by 30 to Baker Mayfield. Injured shoulder and hamstring. Aiden O'Connell, 9 of 21, 62 yards. Hey, did not hunt. Set the record. Set the record. Set the record for consecutive incompletions in a game for the Raiders. And if it could get worse, he also is the Kyler Murray fan who has now won one game. And he denies this, Turner, but he was a big Sam Darnold supporter who came in and threw a pick in the game as well. Okay, number one. Sam Darnold, like we saw him when he opening night when he played for the Jets in Vegas. At the uh, the bits of hotel that I like to stay at, Planet Hollywood. No, the big one, big Red Rock. Ed Red Rock said the guy can't play. He played good that game and never could ever pass that. Number one, number two, he's in the NFL. I picked him at the USC after seeing three throws. Number three, everyone you name is in the NFL. Everyone you name is playing in the NFL. Think how stupid his dad watches him on the practice squad, watches him in the preseason, and says this guy squad. can play. This guy can play. I didn't say they're going to light up the NFL. O'Connell, where did the guy come from? I asked you, where is he from? He got drafted. Guy, guy can throw. Got guy drafted. can throw the ball. He's starting for the Raiders. Slam dunk. Championship. Hey, hey, Turner, Championship. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. Russell Wilson, finish, Super Bowl quarterback, two Super Bowls. Now, pss, One Super Bowl. In the pan. And he didn't bacon MVP. tastes good. Food, shoot in the mouth. Shoe in the mouth. Leather tastes good with bacon on it. Okay, now let's keep going. What's the other guy? Hold on, real quick. Now name him. Before I oh, go. Jalen Hurts. He he was 13 and four, 13 and three last year, whatever, 14 and three, 14 and four this year. Who cares? Going to the Super Bowl, outplayed everybody in the Super Bowl, and they changed coordinator, staff, every coach, and every key player on the offensive line. No, sorry. that that's He's not playing good. Doesn't matter. I watched him come in for, uh, what was his name, Carson Wentz. Who you loved as well. And said, oh, I forgot, you're a big Cowboys Carson Wentz guy. The Cowboys should have drafted him. Were you a big Carson Wentz one. guy? So, no, not that, no. Oh, you weren't? No, I said Carson Wentz is playing really, really okay. well. I never watched him in Wyoming, where the hell he's from. But my point to you is this. No, these are guys that I've watched in preseason. What's the last guy? I'll make this quick. What's the other guy? Sammy. Sammy. Uh, oh, Sam. All I Sammy. said in front of Turner last year when he came in for whoever got injured back there in that dump truck that's Washington is that 
That kid can throw the ball, and his arm, he is a really good thrower. In fact, Greg Cosell, who you know nothing about, who's one of the top prognosticators Greg. and breaks down every piece of film, said the guy throws the ball perfectly. It's just his offensive line is horrendous. Let me finish. And the play calls that they have him make are play calls that he didn't do at the Chiefs, the coordinator. What's his name? Ed Bienemy? There's his name? Eric. Yeah, Eric Bienemy. Huh? Okay. That he's going downfield, taking all these time to make the routes when not giving the kid anticipa- anticipation throws is what he's, what he's good at. So listen to Cosell and learn a lot about these quarterbacks, okay? But uh, let me shout out, I have picked shout out Cosell. <laughs> I doubt that's even your name, Mr. Leake. May Cosell, have no, Greg Cosell. Cosell. Um, Greg Cosell. I watch him on t- Colin all the time. All right, he's the number one breakdown guy of film. He's the smartest guy. What do you have in, to say about uh, Travis Kelsey and Mahomes? What's going on there? No, I didn't say anything about that. He breaks down just. Uh, no, he's asking you. you. Oh, what's that now? Oh, what's been going on? Mahomes is fine. He's he's fine. He's just his wife's probably giving him some trouble. That I mean, that nightmare and that brother. I mean, if I had to live in that situation, I'd be throwing the ball out of bounds and down the street and everything I could. What's wrong with his brother? His brother's just messed up in the head, man. <laughs> but the point is, is this. Though. Actually committed and, sexual and th- assault. And, and thank oh, that's you. right. He assault, did. Brother. Thank you. He thank did. you. In my days. So my point is this. Um, my point is, I pick, we need a mute I pick quarterbacks accordingly <laughs> to say they can play. So if I say that guy could play in the NFL, he's got a good arm. That's what it is. The funniest one is O'Donnell They're while watching preseason. I don't know why you were there that day. And I said, yo, that's going to be your new boy. And just to think he started every game for the Raiders. To Can I finish? Think. Can I Oh, that's right. They started, they started Jimmy one game and then benched him and put the kid back in. A kid I saw play yeah. in preseason. So just let me go scout for your team. I guarantee you I will bring you back a star. Man, that, that was embarrassing. I'm glad you got to embarrass yourself there. I just love Turner. I was telling him last night it was so funny how every one of the guys he picks, every one of the guys he picks, he picks them when they're already on an NFL team. Then he says they're an NFL quarterback, I and say, if they play, if they play in an NFL game, that's enough for him. He got it right. If they play no, in one game, I said that guy could could start in an NFL team, and I've told you the guys that can't. I never said Heineke can start, but he did. I just said, oh, that guy's got a good. They had to keep him in there. I never said he could start in an NFL team. He's a franchise quarterback, but I've named your everyone. dad does coach. Your dad does call a lot of. Uh, Basketball stars. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Our boy John L. at uh, Thank you. FAU. Thank They're you. playing pretty good ball right now. They number are. seven. Hey, how, about the backup, so, yep. how about that backup center from Providence that he said was going to the league? Hey, we don't know. He might be going. I no, he's know. working at a construction company now. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's going to the league. All right, let's Straight get on to, the, to the next part. The, the last part that I can bearded because I got to, like I said, I'm employing children right now as we're speaking in third world countries. Let's go. <laughs> Well, I'm not sure what you want to do. You want to pick some games? Yes. I'll got, pick one. Just go, let's just Hold go through on, NFL the games. Oh, ooh, I got to roll. And then we'll do. <laughs> yeah, go. I'm sure you do. No, I'm serious. I got to go. He's right. got to get a Blanco. NFL NFL picks. All right. Jets at the Browns on Thursday uh, night. Browns done. Brownies. Brownies. Done. Okay, I'll take the Browns. Uh, we're not picking by how many? No. All right. Uh, I don't want to do the spreads crap. It's not the spreads. We're just picking how much they win. Go. Uh, Lions at the Cowboys. Cowboys should win that game. Cowboys by double digits. No, yeah, by Cowboys by double digits. By three. As well. Go next one. Three Patriots points. at the Bills. Huge bet game your house for the Bills. That. What's <laughs> that? Bet your bet house. Your house? <laughs> yeah, on, on the Cowboys winning by three. Go ahead. What's that? Cow, uh, Patriots at the Bills. They don't even. That's just a dumb one. Bills. Bills. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Uh, Falcons at the Bears. Uh, dumb game. Who cares? No one wants to watch that. So why are you even announcing it? Uh, 
Is it the game? The Bears. Bears. Go. Bears barely. Raiders at the Colts. Raiders have to win out for him to keep his job. Going to be a damn good I don't game. Think that's true. They're going to win. The Raiders are going to win. I think the last keep two Antonio games. Pierce Colts, Colts by three. I think mm-hmm. they're keeping. They shouldn't Pierce. keep him. They're going to. No, uh, they should not. He's done a good job. No. Colts. Uh, I like the Colts in that one, although I don't think they're very good. The Raiders Gross. defense is playing much better. That'll be a close game. I tell you, I'll take the Raiders. Actually, yeah. I like the Raiders. In the Go, ahead. Go ahead. Rams at the Giants. Tommy DeVito benched for Tyrod Taylor, like we said. I didn't say Tommy DeVito was a starting quarterback. Go ahead. I said the guy can play, and he played five games Go and won four, three. Go ahead. Okay. Um, uh, Rams. Went out. Rams. They went out. Go Rams ahead. by 21. Hurry up. Cardinals at the Eagles. Eagles win in their in Eagles. position. Eagles. Jalen will be fine. Black Tom. BTB. BTB. Shout Black out Tom, BTB. Black Tom Brady. Poor Jalen. Uh, I'll going. take the Eagles. They're calling for Marcus Mariota in Philadelphia. Yeah, sure. Saints at the Buccaneers. Uh, I'm going to go, oh, Saints at the Bucks. Bucks by seven. I'm going to go, t- Breaker's full of his head. I'm going to go Saints. There's no way the Saints win. Dennis Saints. Allen needs to. I'm not a guy who calls for firing coaches, but Dennis Allen needs you to need, go. You need to go last year. already said you're that. Not a, you're not a guy that calls for coaches to be fired? No, what I'm who saying. the hell are you talking who about? Who You've been calling for Sean McDermott's head since okay, week five. Let me repeat that. Doug Peterson's the worst coach okay, needs to be fired. Let me, let me re-clarify. <laughs> I'm not calling about? for coaches in the first two years of their coaching stints to be fired normally. I think coaches who have been there forever who suck should go, okay. like Sean McDermott. Yeah. This guy has only been there two years, but I think he's a, a, a person who's pretty bad. Sure. And I think it's time All for right. him to go. 49ers at the Commanders. Niners. Niners. Yeah, and uh, who's starting quarterback for the Commanders? Jacoby Brissett. Give me the Niners. Yeah, who cares? They're just resting Sammy yeah. for next year. Now, I normally probably would skip this one, but Trevor's played so bad he may not even play. He's not the playing. The Panthers at the Jaguars. No, he's, he's not. He might play, they say. No, he's... Jaguars will win the game. Who's the backup for the Jags? It's uh, C.J. Beathard. Yeah, he's fine. Shit, dude. The Panthers didn't look bad this week. I know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the Jags because I have to. I my prediction last week is they're gonna hold on to the vision. I said it's gonna be house, ugly, but I got the Jags. By the way, two if you weeks have in a row, house y'all and, picked against me, and I picked against the Jags, and I won. Both well, listen, if you have to pick against them again, give me the Panthers. I think the Panthers might beat if them. If you honestly, have a house in Jacksonville, Florida, and Trevor plays, put your deed of the house up for. A bet on that game. Oh my God! All right. He was. You were a big reason why the housing market crashed, sir. Okay. Um, Steelers at. I'm sorry. Titans at the Texans. Massive game for the Texans. I'm assuming Stroud's back. I don't know for sure. Texas by Texas by seven. Yeah, Texans. Texans, but it will be close. God, what a bad week of football. Keep Steelers going. at the Seahawks. Basically, an elimination game here. Yeah, Steelers are going to lose that game. Give me Geno and the boys. I just Mike Tomlin made a deal with the devil, and he's going to find no, a way to win the game. No, he will not. Yes, he's going to. Go Steelers are going to win the game somehow, some way. Chargers at the Broncos. Broncos season pretty much over. They have a four percent chance to make the playoffs. They're starting your boy, right? Jared Stidham Jared. is starting. Russell Wilson out, benched, bum. Uh, Stidham. Chargers by a field goal. Oh man, in Mile High. Uh, give me first Stidham. week. After, first week after a coach gets fired. Things go well. Second week, they come back down to earth. Give me the Broncos in a tight It's true. It's true. Uh, Bengals at the Chiefs. Bengals have to win no. to stay in the, in the hunt for the playoffs. Game. Chiefs. Chiefs look so bad. I'll take them to win by a field goal. Yeah, here. it's going to be real tight. Uh, Chiefs, yeah, barely. Uh, last game. This is essentially an elimination game in the NFC. 
the Green Bay Packers, 7-8, and eight, taking on the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. Both 7-8 and eight loser will likely be eliminated. Vikings are short favorite. Packers. Vikings by a field goal. Yeah, Vikings will win that All one. All right, so that's it for this week. Next week, I'll load up. I'll give you a lot of good sh- shit next week. We, we heard that here. He can't go out early next week. He's got to stay on for 45 minutes next week. Yeah, that's true. You just said it Next there. week, I have some, some special announcements. You're going to Blanco tonight. already? It's Wednesday, dude. Yeah, I'm going to come back tomorrow, though. Oh. We don't call it Blanco. We call watch it the, out. Watch out. You just knocked the whole Blanco. thing over, dumbass. Oh. Just ruined the I'll whole I'll call it the ranch. Okay, sorry. Just knocked over the the whole Yellowstone thing. Ranch. Uh, I can't, I can't <laughs> Those pants are too. No, you can you can gyrate now because it's not the end of the year yet. <laughs> oh God. I'm glad he's out of the room already. Alright, we'll move on to uh college football. Um we did a preview of the college football playoff early on when the playoff was initially announced, but we're only five days away. Next Monday, January the 1st, New Year's Day, is going to be the college football semifinals. The last four-team playoff semifinals that we will have as next year we're moving to a 12-team playoff. And we've got arguably what I think is going to be the best two matchups we've had in the college football playoff in a long time. The number one team, Michigan, taking on the number four team, Alabama. That's where we'll start. And uh, Michigan comes in as a short favorite, two points. This line is kind of bumped around. I know, you know we're not going to talk about the betting aspect of it too much, but um, we've seen a lot of public support for Alabama, and I think the the narrative is what drives that, which is it's Nick Saban, it's extra prep time, right? It's Alabama who's been here before. Michigan, on the other hand, has been in this game two years in a row. They looked horrible. They looked horrible. They were crushed the first year. Last year, you could argue they probably overlooked TCU because, you know, it looked once Michigan got going offensively, like they kind of did whatever they wanted, but defensively they couldn't get a stop against that TCU team who really wasn't that great. Um, but what do you think – how do you think this game is going to transpire? Is Michigan going to finally get over the hump and win this game and get to their national title, or is Alabama – is the narrative right, and Alabama is going to win with that extra prep time for Saban and all the weapons? I mean, all year I've said that I thought Michigan was the best team in the country. They looked like it to me, the way they run the ball – Defense looked very good. Um, can't really hold anything against them. I mean, they played a fairly good game against Ohio State at home and won that. Um, how bad did they beat Iowa? Was that game? I can't remember when they played. In the in the uh, yeah, big, they, or the, they, uh, the Big they Ten shut them out or what did they in the do? Big Ten championship game? Uh, I believe they beat them. It was like twenty six to zero. Okay, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Typical. I just it's just so hard for me and. And I really do think Michigan's the better team, but I just think that the mental aspect of it plays a huge part in Michigan just knowing they've been in the spot two years. And, like, Alabama's never looking past Michigan because they know they're undefeated and they're really good, so it's not like, oh, we're going to waltz in here and beat them. They certainly don't think that. So the Michigan's going to get their best shot, and it's just – I don't know if they can get over the mental hump of getting through this game. Yeah. I honestly think they're the better team, but if I had to pick it, I'm just going to stick to it because I think I said this the first time, like I'd take Alabama by a field goal. I think it's going to be a really good game. I don't think anybody's I, – I would be surprised if either team got blown out. I know Michigan has to get blown out that one time they played, what, yeah. Georgia two years, years ago, ago, right? Different team. Yeah, different team. I, I really do think Michigan's a better team on paper. I don't really trust Bilro, but I just I think those receivers for Alabama and I touched on it before Bond and um, 
you know, uh, the guy that I like so much. Um, what's his name? Who's the other receiver? Bond and... Um, oh, Burton? Burton. Um, they're just great playmakers, and I think maybe they make a play or two. Maybe Milrow, one with his feet. You know, he probably will throw an interception in the game, but I think uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it and say Alabama by three. I don't yeah. know. I, I'm going to disagree. Um, I think Michigan's going to win this game, and I think they're going to win it by double digits. I, I think they're actually the far better team. I've watched actually a lot of film of both teams the last uh, couple weeks. I've done some deep dives on both teams. I, you know, when you look at just the, the basic schedule of each team, I know Michigan didn't play the, maybe the schedule that Alabama did with, in the Big Ten, obviously, but I just can't look past some of these outcomes. Like I, I mentioned this when we broke down the game early. Um, I know the Texas game was early in the year, but they got pretty much thoroughly dominated in that game. It was not that. I know they took the lead late at one point. Texas quickly bounced back and won, you know, took a two-score lead, and then essentially I think they got the ball back with about six or five minutes to go, ran down Alabama's throat, which you just don't see happen in Tuscaloosa, won the game. They struggled. I know they didn't have uh, – they started the backup quarterback, but they, they struggled with South Florida, only won that game by 14 the following week. Um, you know, they really didn't dominate Ole Miss after that, 24-10 to victory. Then they barely beat – Texas A&M on the road a couple weeks later. And again, Milrow doesn't look that good. They, they struggle at home and need a late fourth down conversion to beat Arkansas at home. Um, and then you fast forward, LSU. I know when, when Daniels went out, it, they, Alabama was leading in the game, but I really think that game was going to come down to the wire. They were not able to stop LSU that entire game. You go, obviously, the, the Auburn game is, everybody knows about that, right? They should have lost the game. I mean, they lose that game, they're not in the playoffs. Yep. Um, and then they, they beat Georgia by three. But here's the thing that Georgia did, and when you look at it, um, it's what Alabama struggles with. Georgia defensively, who I think Georgia was really down defensively this year, they forced Alabama to throw intermediate passes. And that is what Jalen Milrow does extremely poorly. He has a good deep ball, and he throws a lot of short passes to his receivers and gets them in space. Makes sense, right? Got a good arm, got got great playmakers, that's what you want to do. But the reality is, when he has to make the reads and he has to make multiple reads, it's not going to happen. The Georgia put a spy on him and really limited him in the run game. That's what Michigan's going to do, and here's the difference in the game, in my opinion. The defensive line of Michigan versus the offensive line of Alabama. The offensive line of Alabama has really struggled to protect Milrow throughout the season. He has not, you know, he's basically bailed them out a lot with his elite athleticism. I don't see how you bail out against this Michigan defense. They're too fucking good. I mean, to me, the only way you beat Michigan defensively, you know, from an offensive standpoint against their defense, is being able to really chunk the ball all around the field, and I just don't see Milrow as that type of guy. I think it's a really bad matchup for Alabama, and the more I look about at it, too, I, you know, I'm not going to say that uh, I have inside information or anything, but a lot of the sharper shops are dealing two and a half, we're going to leak out to three closer to game day, I guarantee you, number one. Number two, there's been significant sharp money on Michigan. And I know the public sentiment is Alabama, Alabama, Alabama. I'm not fucking buying it. Not buying it one bit. I think this Alabama team is flawed, and I think everybody is just saying, oh my gosh, they beat Georgia. People don't realize that Georgia didn't fucking play a soul all year long. The best team they played all year was Missouri. They got to play them at home. So to me, it's like, okay, you know, who have you beaten this year? Yeah, I, but I mean, you could make, and I agree with you, I really do think on paper Michigan's a better team. Michigan played nobody either. They did. Michigan played Ohio I State agree. at home and won a game which, like I said, was not near, I mean, they convincingly won the game, but it wasn't a bloodbath. 
The only thing I will say is Michigan, to me, looked so damn good earlier in the year. They looked great. They're running the ball. That towards the end of the season, they were not getting against, you know, Ohio State and uh, Iowa, who are pretty good rundies. They were not, you know, you don't see these 30, 40-yard runs that they used to pop off with, what's his name, before he... Uh, Tore his yeah, before he tore his ACL. He's not near as explosive, and I just don't know. Listen, Michigan's, the, in my opinion, the better, bigger physical team. Alabama's a much faster team. And in the last few matchups that they've had, SEC versus Big Ten, it's gone really bad for the Big Ten. I agree I mean, you, every single I, time. I would also argue that in the past, the SEC has been the more physical team in those matchups. Like, to me, yeah, they probably do have a slight speed and athlete advantage, which they do have here with their wide receivers. But to me, I think I think you could, I don't think it's wild to say Michigan is the more physical team in this matchup. I think they have the better defense, oh, the better, I think, I better think, in the trenches. I definitely think they're yeah. the more physical team. But they're the more physical team against TCUs. Listen, this is a different Michigan team. Get it. But they were a more physical team against TCU – and TCU is the faster team last year, and they fucking lost to Very TCU true. with Very Max true. Duggan as the quarterback. Again, I, I all- just can't know. I just can't, for the life of me, look past just how bad they've been in the semifinal games. I mean, it's just impossible to do. It's the same coach. It's the same quarterback as last year. You know, I, I get that. Um, I do think Michigan's defense is a lot better than they were last year, so maybe that plays into effect. But I also think this Alabama team's, and like they've struggled and they play down to competition. They've done it all year and got very lucky to be in the playoff. But when they are playing their best, they're better than that TCU team last year. I agree. So I just don't know. That's why to me, like, and we don't talk about the betting aspect really, and I'm retired anyway, but like this would just be the classic stay away game for me because I just, I literally have no clue. I'm, I'm picking Alabama simply because of, past history and I think that does play in in a weird way you know they always say you you know you 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 pick the names on the back of the jerseys not the front of the jerseys but it has to take somewhat of a mental toll like if Alabama comes out and jumps on them 10 to nothing it's going to be you know somehow don't know if they will it's going to be oh here we go again we're going to get sloshed it's not going to be all right we have you know we're going to come back and win this game it's just I just feel like if Alabama and come out and get them down, that will happen. I do 100% agree with you that I actually weirdly think Michigan is the more physical team. They're the better team on paper. I just, these are, you got to remember, these kids are making, you know, NIL money, millions of dollars. They're kids, man. They're 19, 20 year old kids. And it's just when sometimes, sometimes with these kids, you get them down or something doesn't go good at the beginning. It's, you know, it's, in Michigan has not been all year in a position where they've been down. Yep. They get up, they win the game, and that's the end of it. So it'll be interesting to see. But like I said, I do agree with your, you know, the deep breakdown. I would agree with you. I think Michigan's a better team. It's just, um, yeah, it'll be super interesting. I'm excited for the game. Like you said, these matchups are fantastic. So Yeah, I, and I, I do agree with you. I think Michigan probably does need to get a lead early. That's going to help them a lot. But I also would say if Alabama gets in a hole early, like I just – are they going to be able to, to sling the ball around the field and come back against Michigan? I don't think they can. Yeah, I don't know. So it's like, I, I don't know. I do think that whoever gets up early is going to have a big advantage. Um, I also think it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, 
I, I, I find it hard to believe that Alabama is that much better from a talent perspective and an athletic standpoint than Michigan. I think their wide receivers are. I think they have an advantage there. But I just I, I look at the skill players for Michigan's defense, and I just think, I don't know. I, I just I don't know that they're going to be outclassed speed-wise in this one. Um, as much as people think. Maybe you, you could be right for sure. And I also, I, you look at that Michigan defense from last year, you, you did make a good point. But the Michigan defense last year, they were giving up significantly you know, more points, a lot more yards per play. They were not nearly as good as they were this oh, year. Oh, they're I think much they've better. Taken a they're much better forward. this year. And then the last factor, and I'll, I'll leave it at this for my argument, is I think the biggest factor that has changed, and I know he, he didn't play all that great, in the last, in the two like big games, they ran the ball a lot, but he was it, it's it was it came out that he was injured. JJ McCarthy, over the course of the season, has been significantly better this year than he was last year. And so I think if you get in a position where it's like, okay, we need to drive late to win this game. Last year, I don't know that I would have been like, yeah, they have you know, I really trust him. I actually think he he'll make some big plays. He tends he's thrown four interceptions the entire year. Uh, and I think in the last 10 games, he's thrown just one. That includes both games against Ohio State and Penn State, who have pretty good defenses. So it's like, to me, he uses his legs really well when he needs to. He's got a good arm. He's made really good decisions. You know, I always see, it's probably a cliche, but like, as somebody who practices mindfulness, I always see him meditating before the game. He sits front behind the goalpost like this. In the crib, and it just seems like he does have that, that next play mentality this year where it's like, he doesn't care what his stats are. He doesn't care if he you know, makes a mistake. He's just going to do what's necessary to win the game, and he's not afraid of the moment. He makes big-time plays. He went into Penn State in the Happy Valley, and he won the game. But against Ohio State in the game that essentially they know if they lose, that's a playoff game to me, right? Like, they treated that as a playoff game without their head coach. He stepped up and made some big plays late for them. I like Michigan in this matchup. I'm, I've already bet them. I've already bet them. I, now, I did take them on the money line. I don't want to mess up the points. I got them at a short money line at minus 115 earlier in the week. But uh, I, I would be surprised if this closed below the key number of three. I think it's going to end up trending to three. Maybe we'll see some buyback on Alabama when we get to three, but there's been professional money on Michigan so far. Um, moving on to the second matchup, again, I think both these matchups, like you can make it a case for both teams. I think we're more likely to make this, the same case or the case for the same team on this one, at least uh, basing it on what we said in the initial matchup, but Texas taking on Washington. Obviously, Washington undefeated Pac-12 champions. Texas, one loss came against Oklahoma, but they arguably have the best win on the season going to Tuscaloosa. The only thing that may have changed since talking about it originally a couple episodes back. Uh, No, 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 no. no, no, I picked Alabama. I said close game. It was was basically the same rhetoric, but as far as this game, is worthy playing or no? I, uh, I, is he fine? I believe they, because I mean that's what we didn't know. Like when we talked about it before, it's like I still thought Texas, but I, you would assume because I know you said earlier to me that the line had moved in Texas' favor. You would assume worthy is playing. Yeah, uh, my my understanding is he does not have he hasn't had any significant um, setbacks, and I don't know that he's going to be a hundred percent, but he's going to play. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I think we're both um, agreeing here that we think Texas is going to win the game. Um, another interesting matchup, um, Texas defense has been great. Washington's defense solid. Um, I obviously would be nice if, uh, you know, Texas running back didn't get hurt. Yeah, obviously. But, um, that hurts. The kid, is it Baxter that's filled in? Yeah, he's, he's done a good job. So I think Texas wins this game. Um, I, I, I don't expect a blowout in this game either. I mean, I think maybe... 
Texas by seven, something like that. Um, if Quinn plays a pretty clean game, I think Penix, I think Texas might be able to, um, maybe force him into a couple big mistakes. We'll see. It, yeah. It, to me, this comes down to a couple things. Like one, I think, I think you're right that it won't be a blowout in the sense that if Texas gets a big lead, they're notorious for letting teams creep in. Yeah. So, I, because to me, the one way this does turn into a blowout is is Texas. I don't think Washington can blow Texas out. I just don't think they're physical enough defensively to just like consistently stop Texas's offense. I do think that um, you know if Washington gets rolling offensively, because to me, Washington is very similar stylistically to what Oklahoma did to Texas, which is you know push the ball downfield, lots of tempo. And Texas, you know, for stretches of that game, were good defensively. But then when they really picked up the tempo late in the half and late in the game, they struggled to stop them. So and, I, like, and I think Oklahoma definitely, I agree with you somewhat, but Oklahoma obviously goes way faster than Washington true, typically. True, Well, it, like from what I've seen lately, I think Washington, I don't know necessarily why, early in the year was just going NASCAR, you know, they call it NASCAR, million miles an hour. Then when they played Oregon... And depending on the matchup, it seems like they kind of tone that down. I mean, yep. they were not going fast against Oregon. Yeah. So I think it, you know, depending on, and I don't necessarily think they're going to, unless they think that that's what gives them a stylistic advantage, I don't think you're going to see them going a million miles an hour against Texas. Yep. Just because, you know, the danger, you know, say Texas has a big drive, go down and score, and then you go three and out, going, you know, your defense is right back on the field a minute later. Right. So I think, um, I expect them to be a little bit more of the tempo of they were when they played the Ducks in that Pac-12 championship game. I don't think they're going to go super, super fast. Although, I think it would actually benefit them to do so. It would. I think they should do that. I just have a feeling they're not going to. Typically, they get, you know, these coaches, for whatever reason, get away. You know, there's certain schools like Oregon or Texas Tech with Leach. It it didn't matter. That's who they were. They're going to do that. Right. But – I mean, think about that game when they played Washington State, man. I mean, that offense just looked terrible. Terrible. They didn't do anything. Dude, and you look at, like, the second half of the season, right, pretty much, like, going through the Oregon game, they were averaging over 40 points a game. After that, I mean, it it scored 15 against Arizona State in a game that I believe they had a pick six in that one. They they scored one offensive touchdown. That's what I mean. They're such a weird team. Um, Against Oregon State in that game in Corvallis, they scored 22. Against Washington State, they scored 24. So they've had a really, like, and Penix hasn't looked like the same guy since. I don't think it's helped. I've not been high high on Michael Penix, and I'm going to catch some heat for this because the first time we posted this, a lot of UW fans commented and did not like our take on Washington. But look, the the truth of the matter is, Penix has not been very accurate in the last five to six games, right? He played a really good game in the Pac-12 championship game. He stepped up. I think we both agreed, like, Oregon was a bit overrated. Um, And and that's kind of their defense, you know, struggled against Texas Tech early in the year when they played. They didn't play a lot of competition. But to me, this game kind of comes down to two things. One, I agree with you on the tempo. If Washington plays, and and I understand the logic of it, right? Like, that defense hat for Washington – it got better when they started slowing it down because when they sped it up, they couldn't stop a soul. And when they started playing more deliberate, yeah. The problem is I think there's a huge mismatch with Texas offense versus Washington's defense. And I think Texas is going to score a lot of points. Maybe that will maybe that will help Washington in the sense that it will force them into playing faster because if this gets into a shootout, anything can happen. But if you try to play slow against Texas's defense, 
that's not going to work. That's when they're at their best. When you give like Devondre Sweat and all those guys on the defensive line time and they're rested to rush the passer, yeah. good fucking luck. The time Texas has struggled, like I've said, it's been in quick tempo situations. What happened to them and why were they dropped so far in the rankings? Because they would get up on these teams, like it happened against TCU, it happened against uh, Kansas State that we were watching together, it happened against Houston, and the opponent is forced to go into a high-tempo, fast-paced offense, and the defense gets burnt out because they're on the field because Texas does the same thing. They play fast-paced. They have quick possessions, and the defense gets tired. If you're looking at it from a pure talent standpoint, there's mismatches all over the field for Texas. Yeah, Washington's got some really good receivers. They're not going to be able to throw the ball consistently unless they go fast-paced. They're not going to be able to run the ball at all. Texas' run defense is arguably the best in the country. So it's going to be on the arm of Michael Penix. It's going to be on whether or not they make temp- uh, uh, use tempo. And then I think on the other side of the ball, the key matchup is can they slow down Texas' run game and make them one-dimensional? Because I don't see a path for Washington slowing down Worthy and uh, you know, Baxter out of the backfield, and Jatavion Sanders, who's arguably the second best tight end and going to be an NFL top draft pick. Like, there's just too much talent. A.D. Mitchell, Jordan Whittington. They have, they have five-star guys all <laughs> over the field. Washington has one good cornerback who can cover. I don't see how they slow them down through the air. They need to commit to the run, make them one-dimensional, and force Quinn Ewers to make some mistakes. That's how Washington has a path to victory here. Yeah, I think they just have to go. The more and more I think about it is they just have to go as fast as they can, yep. like Oklahoma did, try to win the game that way. I do think that uh, Kalen DeBoer, from a head coaching standpoint, might have a slight advantage over Sark. I think if you're looking at it from a play-calling standpoint, I think Sark maybe is a little bit better. Sark's a better play-caller. Sark's, Sark's a very good play-caller. When you're looking at it from like decisions from a head coach, like, Sark's going to make a big mistake in this game. He just always does. He always makes one bad decision. It's either going to be a fourth down that he shouldn't go for, or it's going to be a thing where he lets, you know, last in the, in the Big 12 championship, he took a delay a game instead of calling a timeout and yeah. it cost him a field goal. Like, he always makes one big mistake. Who's going to make that big mistake? I think Sark will. That's going to keep Washington in the game. I like Texas to win it. It's going to be real, real tight. And I think... I think UT wins by three. I think literally they're going to win by a game-winning field goal in the last few seconds. I think they'll have a big lead. Washington will storm back. Texas will have a drive at the end and win the game on a field goal. And I think it'll be Texas and Michigan. Yeah, I'll say Texas by seven. Yeah, Um, Something like that. But I do think we both agree, like, these are probably two of the biggest coin flip matchups we've seen in a long time. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Usually you get that one versus four in the line, you know, it's like 14 points or something. Which we would have had if it was... Or State Michigan. And so I'm, glad was, we, I'm glad we don't have that. As a fan, I cannot be upset at this. Although, yeah. I, you know, I, I've had to, to ask myself, am I being a bit biased, um, like, betting on Michigan here? Because I hate Alabama. I really do. But the more I oh, look yeah, at it, you the, hate more, Alabama. the more I look at it, the more I look at it. Like, I, I have no I'm, – I'm pretty unbiased when it comes to betting uh, money-wise. I will bet on a team that I hate if I think they're going to win. And uh, I really just see the matchup edges with uh, with Michigan in that one, and I think Texas has a few few advantages themselves. But going to be a fun fun Monday. I believe the the kickoff for the first game is at 4 p.m. our time, Central Standard Time, and then I think uh, 7:45 for the Texas game. So, yep. um, you know, we've got a great day of college football. We've got some uh, New Year's Six bowls, obviously, lots of opt outs. I know we're about to get out of here. I want to mention one thing before we get out of here, um, just because I think this is an important topic to talk about real quick. Um, and we can do it for a few minutes, five minutes, but this happened, uh, Trevor Etienne, the running back for, for Florida, yeah, he entered the transfer portal. He announced yesterday that he's going to Georgia. 
this is just, I, I have to bring this up because it's just a huge issue for me. How the, I, there is no rules. And we're going to allow, without any coaching changes, right? Like, not like the head coach from Florida left. Uh, we're going to allow the star running back and arguably the best offensive player on the team to transfer to a conference rival on their side of the conference. It's just, to me, absolutely absurd that he doesn't have to sit out a year. And Texas, as a Texas fan, I was a beneficiary of it basketball-wise. Tyrese um, um, Hunter the, for I, was on Iowa State, was the freshman of the year in basketball a couple years ago, transfers to Texas in basketball. To me, it's disgusting that we allow this. How, and, and the way like you're watching like, like the Florida State, uh, Florida State um, Mike Dorvell, they, they go undefeated. They get left out of the college football playoff. He's got to do an Orange Bowl uh, press conference that day. Two hours later, the motherfucker's on a plane flying to, to recruit dudes because he's having players poached left and right off his roster in the middle of bowl season. Like, it's just become the wild, wild west. There's no rules. I've heard multiple coaches in college football saying there's tampering going on. Well, yeah. Uh, my, my brother, who, you know, I told you knows more about recruiting than anybody on earth, he's just saying that it needs to be, it's a month period now, it needs to be a it needes to be a two week window and it needs to be after bowl season. Thank you. There's yes. no reason to be doing this. It's Ridiculous. stupid. So then you have these kids opting out of their bowls. So then it's like why you the, the bowl games become meaningless. So they have to fix that. If you want to make it thirty days, make it thirty days. I think it's stupid. Yeah. Because it's 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 too much fucking work. It's two like weeks free is plenty. Two weeks is plenty to make your decision and it has to be after bowl season. And then that way you'll actually probably play in your bowl game at least sixty percent right. more of the yes. kids probably fifty percent whatever. But yeah, you gotta in the in in conference um, transferring you have to sit out of here. You have to sit out of here. You have to. It, it's it's crazy how in the NCAA we've gone from more rules than anything on earth to no rules in five years. It's crazy. Anything literally, about- it's like okay, well no, there's NIL. It's like okay, guys are just taking shopping bags full of money <laughs> and fucking cars, and then and then you can be like. Oh yeah, Florida's star running back. Hey, you want to come play at Georgia? Sure. You don't have to sit out of here. Here's a fucking Camaro. It's it's fucking insane, man. Unbelievable. Yeah, dude. it's 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 ridiculous. It, it, uh, they got they got to figure it out. I mean, it's it, it, they, they can do it with a few simple changes. But if you want to transfer in conference, you got to sit out of here. Um, you, you can't have that. You can't, can't have, have like my biggest. Oh, you're just <laughs> you're running back. You're just gonna go to your biggest rival. I mean, these kids have no allegiance anymore. You know, no, uh, you know, loyalty to anybody. And listen, I, I don't necessarily blame the kids. They just got to fix the rules. Right. If you're an 18, 19 year old kid, and they're like, hey, we'll give you an extra $300,000 a year in a car. You're going to jump to go to the better team in Georgia. But you have to fix that. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, you just, here- it's the, the adults in the room, the NCAA has got to figure out a way to fix it. And, and they don't care as long as they're getting their fucking money. That's all they care back. about. That's all they care about. That's all they care about. It's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. And here's the ridiculous thing, too. If you enter the portal, it's like, okay, now that school doesn't have to take you back at that point. And so if you enter the transfer portal, and now all of a sudden you go and try to get 
a scholarship to go somewhere else and they think you're going to get $500,000 and you're only getting $100,000, you're sitting there, fuck, you just left win the transfer portal and now you're transferring thinking you're going to get all this money. And really, it's the top 1% that are getting that money. The top, you know, the second DN for Georgia transferring to Texas isn't getting a million dollars. It's not happening. No, no, no. It's very few. Yeah. It's the top quarterbacks, a few running backs, maybe some wide receivers, like, and maybe some edge rushers. That's about fucking it. You're not going to get that type of money. And like we said, the, the, in terms of the comp, in-conference thing, to me, the only way you should allow a player to transfer in-conference, I don't even know that this should be a rule at all, but the only way that I think you should be allowed is if your coach leaves. Because I do think if you're going to be like, okay, my head coach recruited me to be here. Now my head coach is going from Mississippi State in the SEC to Alabama, right? Like they're taking a step up staying in conference. Then why should I not be allowed to leave? That part, I would understand. But if you're going to have no coaching change, nothing... Why if you committed to go there? And then the other problem is we have no contracts. Like, at least with the fucking NFL, it's like, okay, you have a three-year deal. You can't just fucking leave. They have one year. Everything's a one-year deal now. So you're having to recruit the entirety of your freshmen. Then you just try to keep your guys in the transfer portal. It's all it's the wild, wild fucking Yeah, they're going to eventually have some kind of contracts because they're just going to have to. I yeah. mean, it's, it'll happen. But, uh, yeah, it's a clusterfuck, so hopefully they clean that up. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess I was thinking about it. Maybe you can't make it after bowl season because the whole concept is, okay, if you're going somewhere else, you have to be in there for the, the second semester of school starting. That's probably why they have it where they have it. Yeah. That would be my guess, but, I mean, they got to try to figure it, fix it Move somehow. Move bowl season up a little bit. Then yeah, or or whatever, yeah. And then make it, make it a two-week make it a two week period. Yeah, you can move bowl season up. Or, you know, there's – all kinds of stuff it, you could do. But, yeah, it just sucks because all the kids are, you know, especially for bowls that spend all this money and pay these schools all this money. And then you have kids, like, apparently, I don't know for sure, but it's like, you know, Oklahoma and Arizona and the Alamo Bowl, which should be a pretty good matchup. But I know Oklahoma's got, you know, Gabriel's gone. They have a, you know, a prize recruit, I think, starting at quarterback that's been pretty good. But I think, that, like, I've never seen this before, but, you donate like $30 at the San Antonio Food Bank and then you get like two tickets to the game because I think they're just, and it's called like fill the bolt because I think they're having tro- trouble selling tickets. That's crazy. Because no one, no, like these teams don't know, like U of A should have a pretty good showing because they haven't been to a bowl game in a long time right. and San Antonio is a good spot for a bowl game. But it's crazy that these teams just like, no one really cares. Like Alamo Bowl used to be sold out pretty much all the time, I think, or damn well near. It was always now, packed. I yeah. used to go to it. And now, um, you know, it, it doesn't seem like anybody cares about these bowl games. And the bowl games are still giving the same amount of money to the school. So it's I, like. They're just how, losing yeah, the money. Yeah. So That's why you're getting so many changes in sponsors for a lot of these games that aren't like the big, big bowl games. Because even the fucking, you look at some of the fucking uh, New Year's Six Bowls. I mean, look at Florida State and Georgia, all the opt-outs and transfer portal guys who aren't playing in yep. the game. It's a ton. Look at, dude, fucking, I know this isn't a New Year's Six, but fucking A&M, they have 55 scholarship players on the roster tonight in the game. 30 opt-outs and transfer portals. So it's just, it's become out of control. Uh, and I agree. Also, if you think about that, like, I get the second semester thing, but a lot of schools don't start school until like the 15th, 16th, 17th. Yeah, 18th. you could do it. You could find you a way to yeah. do it. I mean, come on, man. Like, make it January, start on January 1 and go to January 15th, right. whatever. You could figure right. it out. You could figure it out for sure. And maybe, like, okay, if you have a couple schools that start early, if you want to go there, you got to make your decision much quicker. Like, okay, fine. 
But it's just to me, like you said, it's just out of control. They're going to have to fix some of this. And I and I completely agree with you with what you initially said. I don't like that the bowl games are meaningless. It's fun to watch bowl games. It's fun to watch these kids play in bowl games. You had fucking Minnesota paying a kid thirty thousand dollars to just stay on the roster and play in the fucking bowl games. Great. And it was funny on the broadcast. Those guys, the guys on the broadcast, were like, "Yeah, he decided to come back, and PJ Fleck called him and." You know, convinced him to stay, and he's going to remember this game forever. And not one mention about uh, of the fact how a booster paid him thirty grand just to play in the fucking game, so he's going to use it to pay for his fucking wedding uh, in a couple of weeks. So yeah, his girlfriend was the big winner of that game. They just kept showing her talking about her Instagram following. Yeah, I'm it. sure she's got uh, a, a plus ten to fifteen thousand followers. Oh no, that. it's like two. Yeah, yeah, it was like she's already got like two hundred fifty thousand going so into the already, game. Yeah, something. Oh, like she's that. probably got like yeah. five hundred now. <laughs> yeah, something yeah, like that. She's. Uh, it was. Yeah, it was funny. That was like one of those. Uh, uh, was it Brent Musburger when he kept talking about AJ McCarron's girlfriend? Yeah, I, so I didn't see it, but apparently, yeah, they the kept guy, showing her over yeah, and over and, the, and over. The guy just kept talking about yeah. her. Yeah, it's like so, okay, we get it, we understand, yeah. dude. Calm down, buddy. Uh, but uh, I guess we'll wrap it up there. It was a good episode. Um, we will be back. Hopefully, we're gonna. I think we're gonna take Monday off and shoot on Tuesday next week. So yeah. uh, we'll come back. We'll talk all things for the recap of. The college football playoffs. We'll recap week 17 in the NFL next week, and we'll talk about the final week of the NFL season. We'll have a college football national championship set. We'll have a preview on that game. Plenty of sports topics. We're coming to the end of football season. It's a depressing time, but at the same time, uh, the NBA season and college basketball, more so college basketball, are picking up right now. Um, no, college basketball is Oh, I love is college great. basketball, yeah. Uh, NBA is going to be a stretch here, but we know people like it, so we'll, we'll yep. do some NBA stuff on here. So thanks for tuning in to this episode. Uh, support the co- podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. We're up to, I believe, 700 subscribers. If we get to 1,000 subscribers, I'm going to give away another jersey. I know we're going to pick the winner. I was going to do it live here, but we ran out of time, so I'm going to pick it in a short video. And I'm going to throw it out there and uh, announce the winner on a short video today. I'll post that and, and who got it. So thank you guys for all who commented and liked the video and all those things. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in. And we will see you guys next time. Roll time. Oh, man. Hook them, baby. Hook them. <laughs> Hook them. Oh, well, I want you to. Give me the Vince Young helmet, baby. Dun, 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 dun,